Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And here it is, the second first show of May, second mm -hmm. of May, 2023. It's May Day. It's, it's May Day is usually the first, but it's May Day, I think, in Europe on the second or something. I never heard this. I thought yesterday was May Day. And is that the is that the holiday that you do the Maypole? Yeah, that's how it started. And they became a workers' revolt holiday under communism. So now everyone associates it with communism. I could, I could, I think I remember. When I was in elementary school, we would go outside and like take these ribbons, right, and circle around yeah. this maypole thing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, child labor. <laughs> it was to wrap the pole. Wrap the pole for no reason. That's a, crazy. All right, we have a lot to discuss because there is a lot happening in the world. Uh, I sent you an article today. You've been talking about things. You have things going on. We saw a weekend bank failure again and a rescue and a sweet deal for J.P. Morgan once again swooping in. Taking the assets, and we'll talk <laughs> Those about guys. Unbelievable. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's these. These are like deals. You're like, how come I didn't get? Why asked? bother building out the your banking uh, branches when you can just pick these guys up for yeah. free? Yeah, no debt, etc. You have you sent me and you sent out to the world a very exciting piece of information. Two of them actually this week. One was on the real reason that Tucker Carlson was fired. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a Substack Substack column. People can go to Dvorak, D-V-O-R-A-K dot Substack dot com. It'll be at the top. Uh, yeah, I was uh, triggered to this thinking by somebody else who mentioned it. And it, it's, it seems to me that this, if you really start boiling it down, I've got all the various rationales for why they fired him. And I've come to the conclusion it's because he's the only anti-war voice on on all the media. Huh. So the there's nobody else. He was the last guy saying, "Oh, this Ukraine war is just a waste of our money," and uh, he had to go. And so, then the weirder thing was, and people should read that column. And the weirder thing is, so today I went to one of my kind of places I commonly go to, and there was a lot of missing items from the shelves for some unknown reason. And uh, I think they're gearing us up to start sending troops to Ukraine. There was there was troops sent to uh, Mexico, like fifteen hundred for the supposed uh, change of migration post COVID. Yeah, and, and and the Mexicans didn't want this. Well, why would they want our Obrador, troops? Obrador, he says, no, we don't want you over here. Hmm. Something something's up. Something is up. So you think and I think Tucker had to go. Tucker was the guy that would start talking about these things and he had to go. He had to go out. So you, you it think, doesn't matter whether you liked him or not. So you're you thinking we have, we, we have, a, we have a, a bunker warning from you. People are, are, are taking stuff off the shelves because they're starting to stack up, stock up. Is that what you're saying? Well, it looks like. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, there was no eggs. And well, speaking that of that, you just you walked chicken, chicken and eggs. All the chicken was gone. Huh. Is there a chicken shortage out of the blue? Is there chicken poisoning? What's going on here? I mean, we keep going in and out of this whole bird flu. This thing, chicken thing is like some sort of a, 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 of a, of a, what of is a, it? A, of a canard. A canard. <laughs> it's a canard. No, that's the duck. <laughs> Dual meaning there. 
but but that 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 goes right to the the extraordinarily, and I would say exceptional timing, of the egg book. Now, people, oh, yeah, the, let me just say something. Everybody, did you get your egg book? I'm, I did not get it yet. I'm waiting for it. Uh, um, it will be here soon, I'm sure. But what's really exciting about this is that everybody, you know, for years you've talked about the vinegar book and the, this book and that book. And and, and for a while, everybody's like, okay, when's it coming already? And now here we have it. The egg book, which has hundreds of recipes for eggs, right? 800, over 800. 800. Who would have thought 800 recipes with eggs? Can fit into one book. And why? And if you have it, this was started when we had chickens up in Port Angeles. And then, you know, it turned out that these, the number of, and then ducks too, the number of eggs that you, if you have just a few chickens, it's overwhelming. You're just, you're just inundated with eggs. Uh, and so we started, or we, we, I got a mouse in my pocket. Actually, Mimi started writing this book and uh, it took her forever. But it's unbelievable. It's a huge monster of a book. You can download a free PDF of it. We started a little publishing company, and the publishing company is one of the things we're going to do uh, with everything is free PDFs. There's no reason to do it any other way. Uh, if why you are you being send so nice? Why, why, why? It's kind of the value for value model that's, that's been so effective on the No Agenda show. Mm-hmm. Well, and we also think there's a literacy problem. People need that, you know, if they can't afford the book, these books are not cheap especially a big giant book like this. And so, you know, I, I, it's, it's magnanimous. I think it's a positive thing Very for society. Nice. Very nice. Very and nice. so uh, too many eggs.com for people out there who want to get a free book. Too many eggs.com. How'd you get that? How many, like what a great site. Too many eggs. Like it. All right. Uh, I have a little bit of personal news. I was, uh, yeah. I spent the weekend up at my friend's house in North Palm Beach. Invited me you won another cooking competition. Not yet. No, no, that's coming up. I got something cook. I got something brewing. Well, brewing and cooking, actually. But you're going to start a brewing thing now. Yeah, no, there's there's actually a drink competition. Uh, there's, an app, there's, a, there's an event I'm going to, and there's a, all the people that go on Thursday night um, supply the food for each other, right? So appetizers and drinks. So you bring whatever you're bringing to give out to a hundred and something people. And uh, last year I came in first place on both. And this year I have a, uh, this year uh, I'm not going as crazy, but I have some things that I'm thinking about what I'm going to make. So uh, I'll tell you when I get, I should remind people that unbeknownst to most of the more recent listeners, this guy uh, used to be uh, a part of the, what was it? Money site at Microsoft, MSNB. Oh, I yeah, forgot what it yeah, was. MSN money. Yeah. And you would, you consistently win the best stock pick of the year. Mm -hmm. Good times. And, and since that disappeared, I mean, you could, you know, you do stock picking on this show, but then you've become this borderline celebrity chef. <laughs> uh, oh, just for the competition. You just don't seem to do stuff just to enjoy it. You <laughs> do it to win awards and trophies. I got to, I got to conquer. Got to conquer. I'm not that crazy. I'm not like that really nutty guy that's standing in the stands during a football game as my team and going crazy. And that's not me. I just like a no good face healthy, painting for you. No, I just like a good, healthy competition amongst friends. Nothing nuts. Um, but, you know, as long as I win, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, I'm one of those guys that also sets myself up to win. I'm not going to go into something that I know I'm going to lose. That's just Yeah, well, that's the way to do it. Yep. So this weekend I was up in Palm Beach and I was playing golf because I'm taking up golf. Why, you may ask? Because the fishing sucks over here. So I thought I'd, 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 I'd bring back the golf club after a long hiatus. 
Yeah. And uh, play some nice golf. And then the skies were getting really ugly. It was Saturday afternoon. And we're like, we're at the 14th hole. We're like, you know what? This is not good. The, the, the clubhouse is right there. If we keep on going, we're going to have a big turn to get back. Let's just get the hell out of here. We get out. We get our golf clubs in the car. And as soon as we do so, we got the, you know, the horn, the lightning horn. Get off the course. So. Oh. Yep. We get off the course. So, wait, you quit at the nine? At nine? Fourteen. 14 has a break point? It, it just it just scooted around by the clubhouse. Oh, that's perfect. You know, this this was a nice course. Uh, three or four of the holes edged the intercoastal waterway. So we're, we're playing, and this boat's just driving right by us. Kind of fun. So go home to his house, and it starts raining really bad, windy, terrible, terrible, terrible. Next thing you know, there's all this tornado alerts and my phone's going crazy, right? I'm like, oh gosh, that's terrible. Well, watching TV, the TV is inundated with all of this talk of, uh, you know, these hurricanes, these, uh, these tornadoes. Three o'clock comes, we get a call uh, confirming our dinner plans. Yes, we'll be there. We leave at 6.45, get to the place at 6.50, it's two and a half miles away. Closed, the place is closed. We're like, what's going on here? We look down the street and there are cop cars and ambulances, fire trucks, crazy stuff going on. This was a massive tornado that ripped through. Can I can I make a guess at what was going on? Yeah, good. They thought that you and your party of golfers on the 14th hole got swept away by the tornado because oh. you never finished the game. Ah, they were looking for us. <laughs> no, there was a tornado. It was terrible. Boats were on top of boats, cars upturned up, up in trees. It was nuts, like two miles from where I was staying. Yeah. You know? It was, so they it was, didn't give a crap that you disappeared. No, nobody cared. Nobody cared. But it was a pretty wicked tornado up there. Uh, honestly, two, two it's a good thing months. you quit the course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a sinkhole alert, which we're going to talk about this evening. Fed is releasing the blame for the SVB, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, debacle. They actually came out pretty quickly. I thought it was going to take a lot longer. Uh, Michael Barr, who was put in charge of that uh, process, put out what he believes were the reasons why. We saw SVB fail. Now, I don't think I'm going to do the same thing for the other banks, but that's kind of interesting. And there's a big story on education and AI. We have a lot of AI to talk about tonight. It's going to be interesting. So, okay. Market update, earnings season, statistically looking good. We have 79% of the stocks, companies that have reported in the S&P 500 thus far. And we're probably about 65% through or so, um, or maybe a little bit more, maybe 70% through major earnings. And... 79% have beat earnings estimates, which is very standard. Mm. Very standard. But that's good. That's why things have been holding up, generally speaking, because everybody thought it was going to be a real big failure. Now, the question is, how do you know if it's a failure or not? What is the difference if companies beat estimates, but those estimates have been dropped down dramatically? That's all people care about is if they beat estimates. Yeah. Even though we have a... 5% reduction, 7% reduction in overall earnings from a year ago. And interest rates are significantly higher from 0% to 5% or so. And est est um, expectations are for even a worse situation. Uh, markets, generally speaking, still holding up. S&P still over 41, we give 4,000 change. Um, Apple's on tap this week. Wednesday, the Fed rate decision, that's tomorrow. Everybody's still thinking about 84% probability of a 25 basis point increase. Friday, we have the employment report. 
And the big thing that's going on right now with the markets is aside from the the banking problem we have, which is severe, uh, there is a debt limit game being played once again. Have you ever? Yeah, it's getting old. Oh, so annoying. So annoying. Now they start talking about things. We want them to pass a clean debt limit increase or debt debt ceiling increase. So this word clean, clean's coming out, clean, which means I guess no, uh, what? No excess stuff in the bill? No. I have no idea what it actually means. It could be no pork or, clean. Yeah, that's or right. I don't know, or free giveaways or scams or who knows what. Yeah. So a sinkhole alert. This, this is a phrase I coined many years ago. I believe I did at least. Uh, when we have a condition in the markets where things on top, the big boys, the, uh, the biggest of the big, the mega caps are holding up pretty well. But everything underneath is crumbling and collapsing. And if you think about a, <laughs> you think about a, a sinkhole. It's a good right? term. Yeah, sinkhole. I give you credit for it. Thank you. Um, Anyone asks? Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, you know, a hundred years from now. Oh, that was that guy Horowitz back in the day, when they had those crazy podcast things. Yeah, that guy was unbelievable. <laughs> he he coined terms like sinkhole. Everyone thinks it's like it, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> So um, if you think about that, right, you could be walking on a sinkhole, driving on a sinkhole over the top of it. No problem for a long time, right? There's an underground river flowing. The rocks are crumbling. It's just getting destroyed. And then one day something happens and the top basically disintegrates and you just fall down, you know, 20, 30 feet into the ground. Yeah. So one of the reasons that we had that going on, this is the second or third time I recall in a number of years and decades that... We have mega caps, which are the most important components of the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the Russell 1000 indices, because the way they're calculated, and if you've heard this before, I'm sorry to bore you, the way they're calculated is by the largest companies have the largest percentage of the index and have the greatest sway on the index performance, as opposed to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is a price-weighted, so the higher the price, the more weighting it has, or some other ones like an equal weighted, which is basically you take all the stocks and you say, okay, what's this, the average return? Now, when we see the large caps, the mega caps really doing well, and how, how do you notice this? Well, there's a chart here on the show notes, episode number eight, uh, no, excuse me, 650, what has I got? 652. Two. Uh, you got episode number 652, go over to dhunplug.com and you can see it, check on the show notes. And uh, when you look, um, if you are on the chat, which is available as we are live on Tuesday nights, you're getting that right now in the chat room. So what you see here is a chart. What's the name of this one? Name of this one what? Finkel. Never mind. Duh. So, All right. Sorry. So, yeah, you see this? Yeah. So what you have here is the purple line. You see that purple line? That's the yeah. three months S&P 500 total return. Price change. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the orange line is the price return of the equal weighted S&P 500. And you'll notice over the last three months, there's about a 6% plus differential. The S&P 500 itself is up almost 1% as of yesterday when I did this. And the equal weighted is down 5.5%. Yeah. This is the, the differential here is what you would... 
called the sinkhole. Right. See that? You fall right through there. See, you fall through the purple and you come right back down. It's just growing that hole. And, and the reason, <laughs> so what's happening is, now why is this happening? Or not why, but why do I say this? If you think about this, if you essentially take out the, the, the biggest of the big, the mega caps, which make up, I don't know, 25 or 30% of the S&P 500, and you equalize that with the rest of the stocks, right? That's what, that's what the bottom one is. So these mega caps are really doing well. Your Facebooks, your Apples, your Googles this year, all these 20, 20% up for the year, they're all doing very well. If that crumbles, there's nothing left to support the markets. So there you go. Keep a watch out for that because Apple will be out this week, and that's the last one that could be the determining factor of whether or not this sinkhole actually opens up and swallows everything in or if it maintains at least its fragile top layer. Oh, this can't last forever. No, it doesn't ever. I've never seen it. I've never seen it in the, the two or three times, I think at least three times, that I've looked at this. I've never seen it last. It's always everybody's flocking to the large caps for safety during certain periods, and then eventually everybody just throws in the hat. Uh, that's it. I'm done. So since you mentioned Disney and Apple, or you, no, you didn't say Disney. You said Apple. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to at least relay an item of rumor. Oh. So I call a friend of mine who works in Hollywood uh, at uh, Universal. Mm -hmm. And I was, because I wanted to find out what, because somebody wanted to know this, maybe to, that we could discuss it on, uh, on uh, the No Agenda show, which is why was the, NBC Universal guy ousted, mm -hmm. uh, and there was no real new information about it. The guy was just, I guess, you know, like to play around and had an philanderer. Affair philanderer. He's a philanderer, yeah. and that was the end of him. But in the process, it was like, well, I thought you wanted to talk about the the rumor, what of Disney and Apple. What 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 is that? Well, apparently, in the Southland, this is the big chat, the big chit chat. Not around here, and I never heard it before, but there's a, a lot of, and of course, we have to know that the leading shareholder of Disney is Loren Jobs. Huh. And right. the biggest shareholder of Apple, or one of the biggest, is Loren Jobs. Huh. She's on the board of both companies. What a coinky Jobs. dink. What a coinky dink. Didn't, didn't Jobs get involved in that with uh, when um, they bought, uh, or when... Um, Lucas, Lucas, and all those guys. Well, Pixel, Pixel Pixar. Corporation was the Pixar. thing where he got all this. Oh, there's a lot of stock that flew around. Mm -hmm. And there's a rumor that Apple's going to buy, or Apple's going to buy Disney, or they're going to merge so they can have more content at Apple because Apple's become content freaks because they don't see any other direction for the company, I guess. And this is rumor, and I've never heard this. And I just thought I'd bring it up on this show because it seems to be something that people might want to look into. I mean, it's, there's a lot of interesting synergies there. And, you know, I don't know about the corporate uh, clashing of that or if there's going to be any antitrust issues with that. That could be. But <laughs> I would hope. Yeah. But it would seem to me that, the, you know, there is the opportunity because uh, the technology is there. You would think that there'd be some reasonable overlap to save some money. There seems that... There's, there's a lot of content. It's 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 a fascinating idea. I think the the over the overlap is pretty much with content only. The, I think the amount of of 
of overlap in so far as buying out the competition or merging with a competitor is nil. I don't, I, which makes me think that, well, maybe the, uh, the regulators really can't do much about it because it's like Disney and Apple aren't, you know, in the same business, except for just that Apple, the Apple group on the side that does content and they're mediocre players. They're not really competitors. Uh, so I think there's a, it's just an interest that that was interesting. I don't know what it would do for either stock. I think both would, would go. I think both would, I think Apple would go bananas. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I think it maybe, I think it would be very good for both. I mean, I, I think that it could, it could be viewed in a very positive light. The only problem you have right now, of course, is, well, maybe there's not, maybe there's not a culture, a culture clash. You know, the whole thing that's going on down here with, Disney has really put a damper on Disney. Yeah. It's, you know, like suing, counter-suing, suing, counter-suing. Well, that was the, you know, the Disney brought that on themselves. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. All right, we have the big thing also that's going on is recession fears. And, and, and recession fears look like this. Oil sinking, gold on fire, stocks are down, bonds are up. And I got to tell you, all those are happening. <laughs> And and the, you know what's good about that? The differential between last year and this year. Last year, oil was down, gold was down, stocks were down, bonds were down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the correlations for, you know, all the different things that happen where you think, okay, well, if, if everybody's banging the markets, they got to sell and go somewhere. The only problem with this year is they have alternatives. This year, they can actually sell and go into cash. You know, four and a half percent. I'm getting five point one percent on three month bonds now. So, what's happening here is that uh, people are really looking for reasonable. I think people got their heads screwed on again, straight a little bit after we saw that big move on bonds. And bonds were the real standout. But when when the Fed was raising initially, the dollar went up, so therefore commodities went down, bonds went down because yields were going up, stocks went down because everybody's like the hell with this. Um, but it's it's a pretty fascinating situation right now. How well the correlations that are supposed to be, uh, you know, working. So, First Republic is a bank that went uh, is now officially the second largest bank failure ever seized by California regulators over the weekend. J.P. Morgan at 3 a.m. found out on Sunday night on Sunday morning that yep they got the deal. They get to uh, open up all the branches now as J.P. Morgan's, and they're kind of a fascinating deal. Weren't they kind of assigned it? It's like, there hey, they called J.P. Diamond. Hey, yeah. guess what? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. now own these, these this other bank. They didn't. There was some. There was a bidding deal going on. Now, how how no? Who knows how fair that was? But there was a bidding deal that was going on with um, PNC, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America dropped out of it. They didn't want any part of it. Um, and a couple of others. But there was some commentary that was interesting. It says, our government invited us. There's your, there's your invitation, right? Can't, can't refuse that invitation. And others to step up. And we did, J.P. Morgan CEO Diamond said in a press release, the acquisition modestly benefits our company overall. Right there, you know, he's playing it down. He can't say this acquisition is a freaking home run. You know, he can't say that, right? <laughs> right. Man, did we make out on this deal. Too bad for all the other people losing money. Um, it is accretive to shareholders. That means that 
once this deal goes through, it's going to be good to the bottom line of J.P. Morgan immediately. It helps further advance our wealth strategy, obviously his wealth strategy, <laughs> right? And maybe buy another island. Yeah, and it's complementary to our existing franchise. I may have the opportunity to play golf on a private island where he has a house this summer. Yeah, you told told yeah. us about the this one my island. Friend, my friend has a company that he that he owns, or he's the president of, and the partner is, um, he's a member there. But remember, you know, if you if you're if you live there and you're a member there, you can't. Tell, it, it's like a Fight Club. You can't go there. Can you? Can you? You have to get a special permit. You have to grow a mustache. What do you have to do it's, to get it, on that island? Uh, well, you have to be invited. Well, you need at least. I think you a need a pass. Do you need a visa? To actually be on the island, well, you can't go on the island. Well, it's like this. Can you just go into a gated community? No, right? You got to go to the front gate and say, I want in. This island is the same thing. If you want to live there, I think there's a $5 million minimum buy-in. <laughs> Plus, it's everything you do there has to be flown in. Everything you do there is double-dutied. So you're building a house. Uh, for, I'm sure the homeowners association there is one piece of work. Yeah, there's a lot of rules there. There's no pictures allowed. Uh, no, no. Oh, you can't even take a photo with your phone. You could be very discreet about it. Do not take pictures of anybody else. If you do, and they find out, you can be thrown off. And if you are a member there, you can be thrown out. Anyway, that's what it is. So, and and if you think about it, if somebody wants to. Um, do go that far to buy a, uh, a, 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 you know, a place there to get away from other things. They don't need all this fanfare. They'll go somewhere else with the fanfare, not there. Anyway, the uh, acquisition modestly, modestly benefits our company overall. It's accretive to investors. It helps further advance our wealth strategy and is complementary to our existing franchise. In addition to the most of, in addition, most of First Republic's deposit. This is where it gets really interesting. In addition to most of First Republic's deposits, J.P. Morgan will pick up about $173 billion in loans. In other words, don't, don't mistake this. For, this is good. These are assets. $173 billion in loans that people are paying back. Now, those can go bad and they can go sour, but they're probably backed by mortgages and other things, right? And about yeah. $30 million, it says $30 million of securities. That could be. Um, it is said it won't assume. This is the best part of it all. So they get all these assets, but they're not assuming First Republic corporate debt or preferred stock. That's their liabilities. So that get, goes away. Oh, so the poor stockholders, stockholders, especially screwed. the preferred guys that's who screwed. really, that's like one of the most conservative bets you can make. They just get hosed. That, that, those, that's going away. How do you like that? For a deal. Modestly benefits our company and help furthers advance our wealth strategy. No shit. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this, remember, there was there was a consortium about, uh, I forgot what it was, 11 banks, five banks, that ponied up $30 billion in accounts at the request of the Fed, wink, wink. And... Maybe this is a way to pay them back and somehow get the other guys whole. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the, the other guys that ponied up the money, I can't imagine they're not going to get their money back. Oh, no, they'll get their money back. Yeah, you would think they're going to get their money back somehow. Yeah, that, that's different than the 
preferred shareholders. Yeah, there was probably a special stock issuance. shareholders. Yeah, there's probably a special issuance of that. So pretty good. Uh, JP Morgan was up two and a half percent on that news on a bad day. Now the KRE Bank Index. This is kind of interesting. Symbol KRE. You could track it with a um, with an ETF. I sent out a tweet today. You can follow me at Andrew Horowitz. One word. You can follow John uh, John C. Dvorak. At the real Dvorak, that's his Twitter handle. You can also listen to No Agenda on Thursdays and on Sundays. That makes the assumption that Adam's face will unswell and his mouth can actually open by Thursday. <laughs> kind of, it, it was already somewhat. He sounded fine on Sunday. He sent me some pictures. Oh, did he? Uh, it just just of 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 the procedure. Oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah, not not you know just of like what the procedure is like a general. No, nah, it's gross. Yeah, so so I can only imagine he looks like he's got like I can only imagine he looks like a big donkey face. You I know, think like, it looks like you probably went ten rounds with George yeah, Foreman. Right, yeah. So uh, and and obviously he wanted to get back to the show, so he did the show on Sunday, three hours, and I think Monday he was complaining like, uh, maybe that wasn't the best idea. So it'll be fine by Thursday. Yeah. So that he's, but Thursday, then get goes, back to work. Yeah, get back to work. What the hell are you doing? Lazy <laughs> bum. You know, you had a cavity filled. Big deal. Um, so the KRE index is down 33% year to date. That's year to date. I think from its high, it's down like 50 something percent. This is the index. I, I sent the list of stocks that were in there. Um, yeah. They were down again today, another six and a half percent. PacWest down, I think it was down 25% today. And uh, what was the other one? Western, um, there was another one. Um, Western Alliance Bancorp, is that it? Was down like, I don't know, 18%. So, no, Alice, just to let you know, the banking crisis is not over. Now, one of the things that people are laughing at is over the weekend or maybe on Friday, Jim Cramer, who is now known to be a contrarian indicator, right? There's actually well, at some point that's what you're going to become if you keep making bad picks. We should actually look at how this did today. Let's see the Jim Cramer anti ETF or something like that. It's the inverse. The inverse Cramer is live. That was on the stream. Oh gosh, that's kind of uh, what is uh, what is the symbol? Is the question because this is this is actually going to be very interesting. Oh, for God's sakes, you can't read these websites. S Jim. Okay, so let's look at <clears throat> which is short Jim, right? S Jim. <laughs> so let's see what that was today because he mentioned something. Yeah, it was up one percent today. Um, year to date, it is it's down two and a half percent today. Okay, that's interesting. But why I mentioned this is that on I think it was Friday. He said, you know, if this first republic thing resolves over the weekend, it's probably the end of the problems with the banking industry. That will be the wrap-up. And meanwhile, these companies got just hammered. And, and a question I have for you is, what is it with all these Western banks, these Western U.S. banks? Well, uh, I have no idea, actually, but I, I would say, and I don't think there's that many of them. There's a lot of small banks all throughout the South. Uh, it's just that... Uh, I don't know. I have no idea why they may be just being targeted. I have no idea. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> the debt limit is a big issue and failing to increase the debt limit. is supposedly going to have catastrophic economic consequences. It would cause the government to fault on its legal obligations. Now, Congress 
in the past has always acted when called upon to raise the debt limit. Like that's a big, that that's very big of them, isn't it? The, 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 to spend out of control and then yeah, just and then, raise yeah. the limit again. They, they've always acted. They've always acted when called upon. So ridiculous. You know, the cavalry is here. They've always acted after this whole, this whole melodrama, you know, is completed. Every time we've seen this over and over again. Yeah, they create a problem and they solve the problem, but only the problem that they created until there's more of a problem. So since 1960, Congress has acted 78 separate times to permanently permanently raise, temporarily extend, or revise the definition of the debt limit. That's a scary sentence, isn't it? They've acted 78 times. Are you there? You know, I've, I've thought about this a couple of times. I'm like, why don't they just give it limit? Just stop this. Stop this stupid. Uh, and, and just forget it. Just drop the whole thing and have no debt limit. And I said to I finally concluded, no, you can't do that. Because they'll run it right up to infinity. Here's the problem. Let's say you have a budget of $1,000 for a period of time. That's what you can spend. That's the top limit you can spend. And you go back to the drawing board and lay out all the things you're going to buy for the year. And they total 1500 And you go along with that and you spend 1500 And then the end of the year comes and you're like, man, that's surprising. We don't have enough money left. So isn't that what happens with Congress? They spend too much. They don't calculate right. The budget's not uh, uh, balanced. And then they have to come back to increase it. What is the point? I agree. If you do a, a, a budget that has unlimited, they will fill that box. Yeah. 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 Who knows what the number would be? Yep. Now, for those of you counting, oh, my gosh, it's those Democrats that spend. Oh, my gosh, it's the Republicans that screw things over. Let's just tell you the facts. 49 times it was either increased or temporarily extended or... Uh, definitions revised 49 times under Republican presidents, 29 times under Democratic presidents, and congressional leaders in both parties have recognized this is necessary. The problem you had today was that Yellen decided, you know, maybe we'll put a little urgency on this. It looks to me like we may in fact run out of funds and head for de- default by June 1st. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. So, what happens? Well, you got to. So again, let's look at history. How many times have we defaulted? We got close in 2011, I think, and we had a downgrade of our debt, uh, our debt rating. I think it was 2011, but defaulting, no, none, no, never happened. Right. But this time could be the one, which they say every time. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> this is this could be the one. Um. And again, it's it's just stupid because if, if anybody was going to default over the years, it would have been Japan. That's never happened either. This is no way. If if you the allow only places that default are in South America. If you allow, if you allow the U.S. to default, it's a bad thing. Let's just say that. I mean, to a to a very high level, a bad thing. Right. Oh, it'd be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you were on your deathbed, maybe it's something you'd want to see. 
but yeah, yeah. it's not nothing right. would ha- actually see, have happened right. to you. Right. That's like you know saying, oh, it'd be interesting to see what a pandemic's like. Same thing. It's just not good. Just not. No, maybe not. That's not something I really want to see. So that's a big issue right there. Um, what else is going on around the world? There's uh, big doings with uh, nurses. About a third of the nurses in the U.S. are considering leaving their profession after the COVID-19 pandemic left them overwhelmed and fatigued. I don't know. Overwhelmed and fatigued. Nurse. That's the same line. The same discussion. And, you know, you work a 7 to 7, three days a week. That's a little rough, right? 7A to 7P, 7P to 7A? Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, terrible. So I don't know if they can, you know, they want to have continuity with the patients, I guess. That makes sense. But that's a that's a tough job. Nurse, nurse, I need to clean the bedpan. Nurse, nurse, I need more medicine. Nurse, this food is terrible. It goes on and on, right? Minimally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the survey of over 18,000 nurses conducted by AMH Healthcare Services in January showed on Monday that 30% of the participants are looking to quit their career, up to 7 percentage points over 2021, when the pandemic-triggered wave of resignations began. So 36% of the nurses plan to continue working, blah, blah, blah. Interesting, I thought, but not that much. Um, what's really interesting is now the EU has canceled their orders for vaccines, COVID, COVID vaccines. And uh, Pfizer and BioNTech are saying, hey, 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 wait, 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 you ordered these. Uh, you can't just, just say thank you, no thank you. We made them. They're like, oh, well, I'm sorry, we don't want them. So uh, I guess Brussels has committed to 500 million COVID vaccines they were going to buy this year. And now Pfizer and BioNTech are like, look, look, look. Let's just call a truce. Give me half price. Take half price for about 70 million canceled doses. So now they're negotiating. I mean, mm, sounds like a pretty poorly written contract. Yeah, something, something's not right about that. Uh, China rebound manufacturing activity and especially shrank in April, which is interesting because everybody's like, all August. Well, oh, oh. Reopening in China, we got the casinos doing well, Macau's going to be crazy, we're going to see manufacturing, get all the supply chain glut things and not things, they're going to come back in line and it's going to be great and the government's really participating, well they drop down. The official manufacturing purchasing managers index declined to 49.2, which is contraction in March, according to data from the uh, National Bureau of Statistics. Now, what's also interesting, just to let everybody know, we've entered into contraction here as well from manufacturing. People don't want to buy stuff anymore. They want to go out and experience. experience. You want to hike. Yeah, they want to, they want to, they want to go and get, you know, wonderful. They want to go and get drinks that have foam. Drinks, yeah. Drinks. Foam. They want foam on it and smoke. They want things that are experiential where they, you know, nobody wants to take a picture on Instagram and put it, you know, they're, hey, look at me on my couch. No, no. It's like, look at me at the edge of this cliff smoking a blunt. You know that's that's the kind of thing, right? So if you yeah, it's just in a lot of dead guys, right? You want to or you want to be in a pool with a whole bunch of bikinis, right? Hey, look at this picture. So think about what's really working in the economy right now. It's the Instagram economy. That's just, I just I just I just I just made that up. Another it's, another coinage. Oh, they're just flowing, just flowing. So it's the Insta economy. That's what we'll call it. The Insta economy, Insta eco, Insta economy, Insta economy. There you go, there you go. So. 
anything you'd want to take pictures of yourself doing is what people are spending money on. Like my my Instagram account, as you know, Dad Bod Food Blog, is food only. That's all I have. Pictures of food. Me making much. food. Me eating fish. Food. Sometimes you catch a fish. Every once in a long, yeah, but the mostly. The picture of a wahoo. Yeah, ooh. So here's a chart, another chart, ISM in April. You can see that we are in contraction zone. Uh, we're going to put that also on the show notes. Uh, and the manufacturing is clearly in, in the contraction zone, right? But non-manufacturing of services still hanging above at like 51. Yeah, it's services I always thought was in the contraction zone with the lousy situation, but... Since since 2020, in the end, service has really been flying. Everybody wants to go out on vacation. Fly somewhere in Tahiti or Bora Bora. Um, I mentioned 70, about 74% of, uh, I think it's up a little bit now, but 74% of S&P companies have beaten revenue estimates. Here's something interesting, another chart. Here, we're just chart happy. <coughs> right here. Uh, yeah, that's on there. So this is the sectors of the S&P 500. Do you see that? The yep. green is uh, the the above, how many companies are above revenue estimates and how many are below is the red. So you can see like materials, which is back to manufacturing. The revenues are coming in pretty ugly, right? Only 30% of companies um, are above or in line. The rest are down. Um, in... Communication services, interesting. That's the one that's really doing well right now with Facebook and all the other ones that are really having a really banner year, uh, also low. But the number one is healthcare, still coming above. 90% are beating uh, utilities, computer discretionary, real estate, infotech, which is kind of interesting. And the S&P 500 in total They're about all 74%. looking good to me except for the one. Yep, I would agree. Energy is kind of interesting. It's really dropping off. I mean, oil was down like 5.5% today. Big news out of Amazon. The growth of Amazon Web Services, or AWS, as they call it in the big league, uh, which was a big uh, source of profit for the company for many years, slowed to a 15.8% growth rate in the first quarter on a year-over-year -year basis. Things were good. The company came out with a good earnings report. Profit stood at $3.17 billion in the quarter, ending March 31st, compared to with the loss of $3.8 billion a year ago. They also had better than uh, expected net sales of $127 billion in the first in the first three months of the year let me repeat that for a moment make sure we're clear about that net sales 127 billion in the first three months of the year that's a lot of sales yeah it's a lot, lot of junk it's a lot of junk that people are buying i by the way am a part of that the yeah, other me too the other side of that is there's a lot of junk going back when the amazon guy comes to my house and rings the bell I say to my wife, Jill, your returns are here. She returns like 90% of the stuff she buys. Oh, it's she like, does? Oh, my God. It's, it's so annoying. I get woken up to that sound. I'll tell you what the sound is. You'll appreciate this. Of the packing tape being, being pulled and yeah, ripped. ripped. <laughs> does she use the gun or does she have a whole room that devoted to she has her office packing return yep. boxes? In her office, she has part of an area, and she uses more of a, a tooth. And then a bite pull, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So um, anyway, the uh, big issue that happened was, though, that the, the, the stock turned around. It was up about 7.5% after hours, 
dropped down. It was about $117 a share. I think it's about 102 or three today. Today was an interesting day. There's more news about that, and we'll talk about that right now. I'm going to get to AI. So I'm going to go right to the AI. Amazon planning to put its own chat GPT technology into Alexa. So that was kind of good for the stock today. IBM announced today that it's going to halt hirings for jobs that can be replaced with AI. Now, who? Well, this is going to be a rough go. Who decided to put that out? I mean, if that doesn't put a shiver down your spine, I don't know what does. Well, what what there's very few jobs that can be replaced by AI. Could it be? What does IBM do anymore anyway? But whatever. <laughs> well, there you go at IBM. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe with IBM. Maybe it's some of their technology that monitors things, but that's technology. So what, what would it be people? I don't know. So four people are going to be fired, I guess. Um, now, the aviation sector is starting to embrace AI, artificial intelligence. They're talking about planes flying with just one pilot are a possibility. Yeah. So they've been uh, they have been promoting. I mean, it took forever to get to two pilots, because if you remember back in the day when you first started flying, there were four people in the cockpit. Yeah, two sleeping, one one communication, no. two flying, one sleeping. <laughs> there was two flying. There was a navigator and then there was somebody else. I don't know. Communication. What, communications guy. And so you had four people. And then they went a big fuss about getting it down to two because those other two were kind of redundant with modern gear. And so they got it down to two, and then uh, now they want to get it down to one. What if the guy passes out? Yeah, that's what you got the, the AI AI's for. Gonna, well, you know, I, so I'm reminded of a story. Mm -hmm. I'm coming in on, uh, it was Alaskan Airlines, coming from Seattle to Oakland. I'm landing in Oakland. And uh, the plane hits the runway, and I swear to God, it bounced up 100 feet, hit the runway again, bounced up another 50 feet, and then oh. came to just unbelievable. I'm surprised the wings didn't snap off. Mm. Mm. And so the pilot comes on the uh, horn and he says, uh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, for that rough landing. We have to test our autopilot uh, once every six months. He said some, there's some frequency and that that was an auto landing um, from the autopilot. The, and the conditions were beautiful. There was no reason for it to be such a horrible landing. It's like these these Teslas that keep crashing into the rails on the freeway. It's not a good thing. There's autopilot already. And there is an autopilot. You're right. There's an autopilot already, and it sucks. I think this is just everybody wants to get in on the damn action. All right, you know what? I've just it, decided. You know, you know what it reminds me of the whole thing, the whole AI thing? Mm. Remember this? Every time somebody wants to jack up their corporate you know, uh, profile, blockchain. You know what? I've just decided something for us. We're going to incorporate chat GPT into our podcast. Just saying. Okay. Just, I'm know. in. Yeah. Okay, good. It's going to, it's going to really raise our numbers. Now here's something that really freaked me out today because as I listen to what people are doing with this generative AI and chat GPT and blah, 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 blah. You know, you think of all these people that are like, Oh, I could write papers. I could write letters. I could write, um, I had somebody call me today. He said, Oh, you know what I did? I'm like, what did you do? Uh, well, we put in all these keywords and it wrote this letter for introduction to, I don't know, for a job or something. Right. Well, 
Chegg. Do you know what Chegg is? What, what company that is, what they do? Chegg? As a matter of fact, I know one of the top executives at that company. It used to be uh, uh, one of the publishers at uh, Ziff Davis. So you know what Chegg does, right? Let's, do, let's tell what everybody yeah, else well, does. Well, I know how they, and you know how they started? This is a question for you. How did they start? Yeah. Chegg, how did they start? I thought it was just textbooks. Textbook They uh, were rentals. a used textbook, yeah, textbook exchange. exchange. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On the college campuses. So you'd have to put up with like markers, page well, turns and things like that. Marked yeah. up books potentially. But it was a cheap alternative because the books were always a big cost, right? Well, they're too expensive yeah. and it's getting worse. And, and then you had those professors that taught a syllabus that included their work that you had to buy. Yes, this is the chicken shit professors of today's universities <laughs> that pull that shit. Oh, that was terrible. So here's what's fascinating. It's really bad. It's a really, it's a disgusting practice. It's terrible. Um, when I was a kid, we never had that. Right. Chegg, Nobody got a clue. Chegg it does, um, uh, let's call it educational services, primarily textbooks, learning, um, a variety of different services for tutoring, things of that nature, right? So, um, they said in their earnings that chat GPT is killing the business. Stock down 46% today. Wow. They said that, I guess what's happening is people aren't buying books. They're not utilizing the study programs and they don't need any of the tutoring because they just go and say, get the answers from a chatbot. Yeah, even though I'm sure the chatbot's inaccurate as hell because they always are. Okay. Well, you can then maybe work around it, but it saves you a lot of money, a lot of time. But could you imagine that? That it's that bad that the that the that the company comes out and says that it's killing its business? I don't know why they'd say that. That's that was a, a blunder. Maybe they're trying to get the stock cheaper. Maybe. We don't know. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe there's something up. Maybe there's that's actually up. a good bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not you mention it. All right. By low. So now the Federal Reserve, we talked about this earlier. The Federal Reserve came out with a announcement Friday of the review of the supervision and regulation of Silicon Valley Bank. The review finds four key takeaways on the causes of the bank's failure. First, first they blame the bank. So far, Silicon Valley Bank's board of directors and management failed to manage their risks. That's interesting because that is going to open them up to lawsuits because now you have an official like the Federal Reserve coming out with that. That's a that that's, that's already bad. that's a um a proven well quote unquote theoretically proven fact now right that goes into the record. Yes, there there's going to be a lot of court time here. Yep. Number two, the Federal Reserve supervisors did not fully appreciate the extent of the vulnerabilities as Silicon Valley Bank grew in size and complexity, which. I guess means that it's a nice way of saying they fucked up, <laughs> right? They, they didn't, yeah. they didn't have the right people on the job. They didn't track it correctly. They let things go and the bank kind of knew that and they just let itself go to pot, right? Number three, when supervisor did identify vulnerabilities, they did not take sufficient steps to ensure that Silicon Valley bank fixed those problems quickly enough. So now the things that they did find they were unable to figure out a way to fix, and then there you go. Number four, the board's tailored tailoring approach in the response to the Economic Growth, Regulatory Relief, and Consumer Protection Act and a shift in the stance of supervisory policy impeded effective supervision by reducing standards, increasing complexity, 
and promoting a less assertive supervisory approach. That is a that's gonna that's banging on the Trump administration. That's as they dropped some of the uh, required regulatory oversight and reduced yeah, down. It's always good to blame Trump. That's uh, the easiest way out. So we have the bank, we have the Federal Reserve, we have the. Uh, then you blame the underlings at the Federal Reserve, then you blame Trump. So there you are. That bank was doing the same kind of shenanigans long before Trump got to be president. I'm just telling you what they said. So following, quote, following Silicon Valley's bank failure, we must strengthen the Federal Reserve supervision and regulation process based on what we have learned, said Vice Chair uh, for Supervision Barr. The review represents a first step in that process, a self-assessment that takes an un unflinching look at the conditions that led to the bank's failure, including uh, the role of Federal Reserve supervision and regulation. Now, they also said that the Federal Reserve on Friday also blamed the deregulatory zeal that occurred during the Trump era for contributing to the second largest failure in U.S. history. The banks that have failed so far and uh, where we are is eclipsing all the banks that failed, I believe, in 2008, nine. Hmm. So, so, um, Pretty crazy situation there. Uh, the 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 idea that the Federal Reserve, whose job is to regulate and to supervise and to you know fill in the blanks, right, to oversee, to watch the banks, were asleep at the wheel. Now, by the way, not to pat myself on the back, but I've been talking about this for a long time. These guys have a much different mo than what we think they're supposed to be doing. Not only these guys, but obviously the, they're not, listen, Powell's not the one going into the banks and doing the checks and balances, right? He's sending all his right. underlings. He's got, they got teams and teams and teams and hundreds of people that are doing this. But management starts at the top, flows its way down. And I think there was this sloppy nature of thinking they were on autopilot and let it just run and just let it, you know, the bankers. But this happened so many times that they let the banks run the deal. They're doing it again. And now the big get bigger, and we're all going to suffer. Terrible. Just yeah, terrible. probably. Terrible. What else do we have here? Let's see. Nurses, KRE, First Republic. Uh, we Oh, 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 we're announcing a winner for Goldman Sachs. Ah. The uh, Goldman Sachs, this is interesting. The winner was uh, Taylor R., second win this year. It's always amazing to me that guys can do this twice. Yep. He was 89 cents. Oh, well, maybe it's a she. I don't know if it's a guy. But Taylor it's, could be a, either. It's a, yep. it's a. Definitely a unisex name. Unisex name, yeah. So uh, they, we'll use a pronoun on this, they won. Uh, 89 cents away from the final price of 344.33. David M was a runner up at 342.33, about uh, half percent away. So uh, we're going to be sending off a shirt. I was thinking about doing uh, the next one, the next close to the pin. I was thinking we did a bank here, but I still think we should do a bank again, like like some crazy bank. We could do the ETF that that is representative of regional banks, or we could pick. One of these banks that 
Let's may or may not go out. Let's, let's use the bank that's been the, that looks like crap right now. The uh, Pack West. Is it? Yeah, Pac West. Oh boy. All right. Pac West. There's one to pick because that's gonna is 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 this borders on bottom feeding at the same time as it's you know it's a bank that was selling just recently for thirty. Assuming it's going to be here after this weekend, but yes, six fifty five. Well, that's fine too. <laughs> six fifty five. I think yep. it's closed. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. What other thing I blocked? Uh, Microsoft's acquisition for Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard uh, is blocked. Blocked. Yeah, it, it should be blocked. Oh, you think so? Yeah. They, 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 Microsoft can't, you know, be buying all these gaming companies that are creative. It, it just ruins the company. It's, Microsoft is not a good, unless it's a company that's, you know, over the hill. And Call of Duty is definitely not a game that I would consider over the hill. Uh, they just, they don't do anything. It's just, it ruins the, it ruins the landscape for creativity. I, I, I recommend against it. Yeah, uh, creativity and, and, and uh, competition. Well, yeah, competition is the real reason they're going to stop them, but. Yeah. All right, heading over. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. Uh, Araska was taken off. It's very difficult in this kind of environment. With, yeah, uh, I know. Very with I mean, we have a lot of things that are holding up nicely. You know, Decker's outdoors still 28% up. Unbelievable. People want the shoes and the Hoka's and the Uggs. You and the shoes. Uh, you know, Crocs came out with earnings. This, this is week. like They're you should 50%. just become a shoe newsletter. Let's just do a shoe ETF. We could do Adidas, Nike. We do Crocs. We could do Deckers. Yeah. With this, this, with that, why, don't we, why don't we create that? I put New Balance on there too. Yeah. Now that they got that. Uh, they got the what's his name? Uh, that Japanese baseball superstar baseball player is. The, I just saw his New Balance commercial. Well, there you go. We could we could do that. I got a really cool pair of Adidas golf shoes. That all you do is they have spikes. They have little. It actually, it's not spikes in the bottom. You can't use you can't use regular spikes anymore. You can use plastic ones. But this has a, like a weirdly spiky bottom. Yes, it's it's like channels. It's it's very deep. Cuts like a like a a cleat, of course, but but not the spike cleats. Anyway, you put it on, you push the tongue down, and all you do is turn this knob, and it tightens all the laces for you. And to get, loosen up, you just pop it, and it pops right off. Very comfortable. For years, I've been wearing it's, it's, shoes that have not been comfortable on the golf course. Uh, huh. By like the ninth hole, I'm like, ah, that pinky toe is really getting smushed. Well, that's hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I did go into uh, the PGA Superstore to go shoe shopping. Yeah. Terribly overwhelmed. I was like, I stood there and I had like a mini panic attack. And I didn't know what to do because nobody was there to oh, help me. Oh, it's because he got all his new gear. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of shoes there. I'm like, I don't oh, understand. Shoes and you name it. Yeah. If you were a golfer today, you can go broke. I, I said, to, I, I said, can somebody help me? Because I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't. Where do I start? I don't even know what to look at. Should I look at the most expensive thing I find? Should I look at the front and the nice color? So this nice woman said, you know, calm me down. 
and that helped me. It was ugly. It was definitely ugly. Um, anyway, so a lot of things doing well. I'm looking at the list. I like the Norfolk Southern. That was a good one. Great. Great. Love that. Norfolk. Norfolk. Apple is right. hanging in there to a degree. We'll see tomorrow what happens. Pros phase labs up 7.5%. I am going to go with gold. And I yeah, figure, I see this. You're going to do the gold miners. Yeah, we're going to do the gold That's miners. That's what I think is a good bet. Three-time X leverage gold miners. I figure, what the hell? If gold's going to go, mm -hmm. it's going to go. And you got, yeah. the, you got in front of a recession, concerns about bank failures, um, possibly the Fed backing off. Maybe. And on top of that, uh, a a uh, a um, a debt ceiling fight and default potential. If that is not all aligned for gold, I have no idea what it is. I actually bought gold for client portfolios again today. So well, gold's a good thing. It's a good time for gold. Yep. So held up really well. Nice base that happened. Um, nice day today. Nice nice break today. So I'm going to do nugget N U G T, which is the Dick's, uh, direction. Direction, direction, uh, daily gold miners, which is a three X ETF, leveraged. What are you doing? Anything? I, you know, I had something on the other computer, but I'd have to go over there to pull it off because I can't remember what it was. It was mm. a good one though. Mm. But I'm going to put it off to the next show. It's not going to make any difference. All right, all right, very good. We're going to end right there. I want to thank you for uh, joining us, everybody. Go over to No Agenda Show, find that, get that. The Disciplined Investor. I talked about a lot of things we talked about this week, uh, last week, or this week, last week. A lot more to come. Disciplined Investor uh, podcast as well. So anything yeah, else go, from you? Go get a free egg book. Oh, yeah, get the free egg book. Tell them how to get that again. PDF free. Tell them how to get it. Too many eggs.com. Two, T-O-O-M-A-N-Y-E-G-G-S.com. Too many eggs.com. Perfect. See you next Thanks. week. All right, bye. Adios. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the ice stare. Because I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. <laughs> Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.